Hello and welcome to the Tech Pixies Sparkle and Thrive podcast. Today I am interviewing Teresa Klossner. Uh, delighted to have Teresa here. I've known Teresa for a relatively long time now, although I know I've known her brother for much longer. Uh, Teresa's brother, uh, Martin, and my husband, Tim, rode together uh, for years. So <laughs> they knew each other for a long time. But um, it's been wonderful getting to know Teresa, and uh, she's been a huge blessing to our community. Uh, as our resident life coach and she heads up our life coaching program and you know uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it but for me uh, you know I've always said I could teach as many tech skills as we need you to know how to do but if you don't have the confidence to use them it's kind of useless so uh, a big point of importance at tech Pixies is that we are teaching uh, the the life skills along with the actual tech skills and we're addressing some of the big issues that come up as people tackle social media networks because that's our number one thing that we teach is social media so Teresa thank you for being here today and thank you for your wonderful contribution to our community over the last um, several years now Joy, it's it's amazing to be here. I can't actually believe I'm on your world famous podcast. <laughs> well, it is kind of exciting. We hit number one in the UK market for marketing for podcasts three times in the last twelve months. So oh, I'm not I'm not surprised. I mean, I watch your podcast regularly, and uh, it helps me keep up with your mindset as well and where you're at in your life as well as your guests so it's a bit compulsive viewing for me so to be a guest on it is kind of like big tick <laughs> well i have a feeling this one's going to be listened to by a lot of people because we oh. have a lot of Teresa fans at tech fixies oh it'd be amazing <laughs> so well let's talk about before you were our resident head coach if you will life coach at tech fixies um jess rogers had set up the initial um life coaching uh, system that we use. So there's a visualization exercise yeah. um, where you kind of tap into your future self, you ask her a question, yeah. uh, and we use that to encourage women to create vision boards. We also have in the book, Social Media Success, the Wheel of Life, which I've tweaked a little bit and, and encourage people to create a wheel of life of where they are now and a wheel of life of where they want to be so that they can see where the biggest gaps are. Yeah. And that's in the social media success book. And, and that started with Jess as well by just showing me what the wheel of life was and teaching me how to use it. And I really like the idea of taking where you are now and then creating a vision for where you want it to be and then putting those two wheels together to see those gaps. And then we obviously talk a lot about reflecting back, you know, and, and that always ties in well with social media because you'll do something on social media and then you'll reflect back. Did it work? Did it not work? And you can do the same thing with your life. So that initial life coaching toolkit was amazing and it worked really well for us for a very, very long time. And you you incorporated that um, into your uh, into your life coaching elements at, at Tech Pixies. But we decided to go beyond that. And we have built a really, a totally brand new life coaching toolkit. Talk talk to me about that and how that came about. And and, and let's go through the topics that we discuss in, in that life coaching toolkit. Yeah, well, the, you know, the program that Jess set was was absolutely brilliant and and you, there was one other element to her program which she which she didn't mention which was goal setting which typically I think people connect goal setting with the old corporate world and you know not particularly uh, thrilling but interesting the word thrilling because Jess put the words R and T the letters R and T with resonant and thrilling which makes a whole world of a difference I think to the old school goal setting and everyone loves the new sort of way of 
you know, or the tech pixie, I'll call it the tech pixie way of goal setting. Yeah, and so the typical, the typical smart goals are specific, measurable. Um, I think the T was time bound. Yeah, yeah. And the R was, oh, that, I can't, I don't know, but something, you know, that didn't light you up. But, but the resonant and thrilling bits are both elements which kind of sort of imbue to, to sort of don't do anything unless it's in line with your values, unless it brings you uh, unbounded joy. Yeah, here's, here's the original smarkles. So specific, measurable, attainable. Attainable. Relevant God. and time bound. And she changed attainable to accountable. So yeah. you need to have someone hold you account. Yeah. Um, she changed relevant to resonant, resonant, which is like, why do I want to do this? Yeah. And instead of being time bound, being thrilling, um, thrilling, because actually, and, and this is really interesting because I did a, a little live on my personal um, Instagram feed uh, today and I was talking about the book, Good to Great. And mm -hmm. there's there's an example in there of this paradox where there was a Vietnam prisoner of war and he spent eight years as a POW and he was tortured 20 times. And uh, Jim Collins, who wrote the book, Good Great, was interviewing him as to why the people who died, died versus, you know, who, who survived and who didn't survive. Yeah. And he was saying it was the optimists that didn't survive. I and, heard you say that, yeah. Yeah. And it, but what was interesting was because they always thought that it was going to be by a certain time. You know, they thought I'm going to be out by, by Christmas. I'm going to be out by Easter. And when they weren't, they, their hearts were broken. And like he said, they, they died of a broken heart. Yeah, yeah. So this, this concept, I think, for women as well, having things time bound, it puts so much pressure, you know, to feel like I've got to get this yeah. done by a certain time. Oh, God, for sure. I mean, I think that always links back as well to, you know, how we all sort of drag through the educational system. Sorry for using a negative about wonderful education, but it does seem, you know, to be very constricted in terms of you've got to do things right. So that feeds into this perfection thing. Yes, you're sort of under pressure by time. And yeah, so all of those kind of things together feed into our adult lives unless we unless we become aware and unpack them and make different choices around those things. But yeah, I'm, I'm always amazed. I'm sure you are. We see so many women come through the program, but how how hard everyone is on themselves. I, I could say, you know, there's that, always that 80 20 rule. I would say. 80% of the women are really hard on themselves. 20% are fine and they're flying. They don't need much coaching and we probably don't hear much from them and that's absolutely great and fine. But I'd say the majority of them do come up against really brutal roadblocks, you know. Yeah, and many of, many of the way the I would say the 80% the that you're talking about that are hitting these huge roadblocks, so many, and this is what I've learned in neurocoaching, uh, so much of that comes from years of preconditioning, right? So it comes from the way that your mother spoke to you, the way that your parent, your father spoke to you, the way that the person who raised you spoke to you. Um, it really comes from, and it's, you know, we like to say like, blame your parents for everything, but, and, and, you know, and actually you should blame your parents for the good things as well in life, yeah, right? Absolutely, but, yeah. But I think that concept of, you know, um, the being if you're really hard on yourself uh very often that's a preconditioning from either watching someone in your life be really hard on themselves and thinking that that's the way that it should be or yeah. someone having been really hard on you growing up and so we have to deal with two things we have to deal with one the fact that a lot of the life coaching topics kick up some personal um, history uh, which can be really tricky and so we've created a student well-being policy to help 
people deal with that. Like if you need more support beyond life coaching. And I think one thing we ought to have a conversation about today as well is what's the difference between life coaching and counseling and also the difference between neuro coaching as well. Um, But then the other thing that that kicks up is just, you know, how do I deal with that? How do I change it? How do I get through it? Yeah. What what do you do about it? Yeah. yeah, What exactly. What do I, what do I do about it? And, and, and I think that's where understanding the lines between counseling and life coaching and neuro coaching really help. So what would you say, uh, you know, in your experience, what would you say the difference between life coaching and let's say counseling is? Well, to to be honest, I haven't had counseling, but many people in my inner circle have. And what I know about counseling, it's much more of a reflective piece. So you would go and kind of spend a lot of time dwelling on your past which uh, we do in coaching too, but we call it just t- taking a nod in the, um, in the mirror, you know, like the, the mirror in a car. So having a look behind, but not spending a lot of time in the behind. We do need to, you know, like with, you know, look for your limiting beliefs and they were all set in the past. But once we, we can, I think as coaches, we can get there pretty quickly with people. We can sort of pick out uh, language and the words people use to describe their experience, which lead you very quickly to their limiting beliefs. And then it's a case of taking them forward. So I think with coaching, it's like, where are you now and where do you want to go? Whereas counselling is, let's let's spend some time looking at your past to see if we can fix you. Yeah. But coaching assumes that you're well and that you're not, you don't need to be fixed. You just need some, a little shove or a push or some support, not judgmental thinking to be able to move forward to, in the direction you want to go. Yeah, so and it's I think- kind of less therapy based. Yeah. And I think non-judgmental thinking is really important um, because we need to, as coaches and counselors, you know, coaches and counselors need to be non-judgmental because what's Mm -hmm. happening to someone or has happened to someone uh, is not something that needs an additional layer of judgment on top of it uh, at all. And I, and I think what's, what's, I guess what I would say, if you're looking at life coaching versus neuro coaching, what neuro coaching does is it goes the next level of taking those limiting beliefs and, uh, rewiring them by finding evidence where that wasn't true in your life. Um, and then, uh, basically creating what's called a brain prime mm-hmm. and then helping you to really embrace the new thought through a period, a, a pattern of repeated, repeated new thoughts over a 67 day period. And that's why we talk about the uh, hashtag TP 67 day challenge, where we really encourage someone if they want to make a change in their life to make that change for 67 days straight, uh, because you're the, the, the new neuro pathway doesn't set unless you make that effort for 67. And I mean, days. that's, that's really good. That's really good as a next layer, because whilst we can talk about what we could do to move forward, you've actually got to do the work. And we know our brains are plastic or have neuroplasticity. We know we can change them, but you need the repetitive um, actions. And, you know, it's like, you know, when you read the book, you very rarely Im- you know, implement the book. Maybe you're an exception, Joy, I know. But, you know, many people have loads of books on their shelves and have read them all, but don't actually do the work to implement the change they want to change. So what you offer in your neuro coaching is actually a way to really make that change happen and make it stick. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think the life coaching helps to identify the limiting beliefs. Mm. And then it's, it's about changing the perspective. I love, there was a book um, by, uh, I think it's Ray Dalio and he wrote principles and he was one of the most successful kind of stock um, brokers and he ran a brokerage for years. But one of the things he talked about was new thoughts and being open-minded. And he talked about how much he loves new thoughts. And I am the same way. And having now even been exposed to the concept of new thoughts, I love new thoughts. So I can say that for you. Yeah. Yeah. When someone tells me something and I've never thought it before, I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. And I think that's, that's really what the goal is with our life coaching toolkit is. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Let's give you a perspective you don't have. No, because we're all on eat, sleep, repeat. We're all the, we're all the sum of all of our habits and our patterns. And unless somebody comes and shines a spotlight on those particular areas, you might not have even realized or noticed. Um, you know, that's why sometimes in a 360 exercise, which sometimes I invite tech pixies to do, is just to ask five people in your circle, sort of five very pertinent questions. And what comes back at you, um, people are always amazed because they're just, sometimes we can't see ourselves we can't see for looking can we yeah Yeah. no it's so true and I think we and like you said you know so much of what we do is on autopilot I mean that is uh that is subconscious thinking right so the whole point of of brain priming which is the the neuro coaching side of things is to rewire those brain patterns you know uh, from and taking your subconscious thoughts and bringing them into the conscious mm. and basically consciously rethinking them mm. and uh but until they become subconscious again until they become subconscious that's right and most of us work on 80 to 90 percent of you know most of what we do is 80 to 90 percent subconscious and the reason for that is because it's easier for our brain it's very hard for our brain to consciously think all the time, which is why we don't consciously think all the time. Exactly, yeah. But if we wanna change what we're doing, we have to change the conscious thought. Yeah. So we've worked together for years and you've worked with women, uh, you know, hundreds of women now. I mean, we've had over 630 women go through the uh, 90 day transformational program. We've had um, thousands of women, uh, it's over 16,000 women sign up for the free training. And, you know, a huge portion of them have actually gone through it. Um, Our last free training, which was in February, had 2,200 active participants. Uh, You came on with me and did a little talk about compare and despair um, because in the group, people are posting up their vision boards and suddenly people were going, well, you know, my vision board is not that good. I don't want to post it up. And I said, oh, we got to bring Teresa and talk about compare and despair. So what what's happened over the last couple of years is you've identified some patterns that um, kick up as we teach different social media networks. So yeah. uh, for Instagram, uh, the two that come up are perfectionism and compare and despair. Yeah. Do yeah. you want to talk about one of the two uh, and, and how it relates to Instagram? Well, funnily enough, we've got the compare and despair topic today. So I've done my coaching call this morning and I've done my Facebook live on compare and despair. And that is a classic for Instagram because, um, you know, I, I mean, you know, I think we can say we're all guilty of it, including myself, you know, I'm not proclaiming to be an expert or because I'm the coach on this subject that it doesn't happen to me. I think it's because I can relate that we can, you know, we can identify these things. 
But so today we were talking about rather than comparing and despairing because it's human nature to compare. That's how come we've evolved to live in concrete buildings as opposed to caves. It's normal for us to compare. The problem is when it starts to go into despair, when we think it's a reflection on us, how well other people are doing. And what we're not really doing is we're looking ahead at the people that we see are doing well according to us, it's what we notice. We're not noticing everyone who's behind who hasn't quite got there yet. You know, we're, we're just as able to reflect as humans and look behind us as we are to look ahead. And um, yeah, so it's, it's just becoming aware of when we're going down that rabbit hole and feeling kind of sort of negative about ourselves and thinking, oh, they're, they're so much better than me. You know, the, the fixed mindset, growth mindset thing of saying I'm not there yet instead of I'm not there. Um, and, and being curious and open about people's journeys is, is a really nice flip of this. And so rather than look at them in the negative light, think, wow, that's amazing that they did that and become really interested and wonder what steps they took to, to get to where they are, go right back to the bottom of their Instagram feed, see those early posts and realise they've been on a journey too. Uh, you know, it, there's so many things you can do to sort of make it interesting to you and not about you in a negative way. Well, it's like the 20 year overnight success, right? You know, people who suddenly <laughs> burst into the scenes as being mega successful and they've been working behind the scenes for 20 years. Um, I, I think that's such a great point. And it's almost like we want to flip compare and despair to compare and celebrate. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, look at what someone else is doing and celebrate them for doing that. And if you have that mindset of celebrating rather than despair, you're going to actually start to see the things that you want versus seeing the gap. And I think that's the other thing too, is understanding this abundance mindset versus um, the, the, the lack mindset. Yeah, you know? But there's another element to that joy, which you'll really resonate with, with, the, with your neuro coaching is that when we sort of stay in that celebratory um, frame of mind, we're giving ourselves a dopamine hit and dopamine is, you know, that sort of reward chemical in our brain, which, we can literally manifest if we enable ourselves to go, wow, that's great, or oh, look at me, look where I've come. You know, if we give ourselves repeated dopamine hits, that's our brain's way of keeping us on track in line with our goals, which is what we want at the end of the day. So sometimes I think it really helps to know chemically what's going on and, and the reasons why we do this. I find it really helpful to know that it's human nature to compare and benchmark ourselves because, oh, everybody does it. When you realise everybody does it, it's not just me sitting in my room feeling crap about myself, you know. You can understand that it's a sort of universal trait to be human, but also you can work around it by using the chemicals of the brain to give you a different uh, experience so that celebratory mindset um is is a really helpful space to be in yeah oh that took me such a long time to learn i you know i never i never celebrated in fact it was really funny because i i am about to get my british citizenship and i messaged the coach the british coach for archery and i was like hey just by the way i'm about to get my british citizenship and uh and he messaged back and he's like well if you get back into archery again he goes you, go, you gotta promise me you're gonna enjoy it and I think what's really oh. funny, 
is anyone who knew me when I was on the U.S. archery team, they knew I was miserable. And I lived in this miserable world for a good five or six years. That's really um, yeah. I was super, I was, I was very jealous. I was very um, competitive. I was very, you know, I was very um, cold when I was competing and, and I tried to be different, but it, I was, I wanted it so badly that I was unable to like, chill out and just enjoy the experience, enjoy the ride. For me, it was like all or nothing. It was the Olympics or nothing. And there's a lot of athletes that go through that. And actually the ones that tend to be the most successful are the ones that are enjoying the journey as they go along. But for me, I had just one goal. It was to go to the Olympics. And, yeah. and it's so funny because anyone who knows me from that period of time, like he said to me, the very first thing he said, well, if you come back, you just better come back and enjoy it. Don't come back. And, you know, you could so be an, uh, a coach now for the archery Olympic team, couldn't you? With all the stuff you now. Oh, know. yeah. I mean, I wish they had someone with this, you know, I wish like I worked with a couple sports psychologists when I was at the Olympic Training Center because I really did. I had um, I had what you call target panic where, you know, you you I, I was good enough, but then I would go to shoot the arrow and then I would freeze. You and, sabotage um, your ability to do oh. it. Totally, totally. I mean, and, and actually, you know, and we, we haven't really gotten into this on the podcast, but for me, it took me a while to discover I had fear of success, not fear of failure. Um, and fear of success is, uh, it's actually, so there's a great book called The Big Leap, and it talks a lot about fear of success um, in four different ways that you know you've got it and how to overcome it. And I've done a lot of self-discovery there, but I will say, um, you know, I, this incredible story in archery where I was at the World Cup in Ulsan in Korea, which is where, I mean, Korean archers, South Korean archers are the best archers in the world. And I was up against Choi. So it was Choi v. Joy. And I was in like last place and she was in first place. And uh, in the practice round, I hit all my arrows in the gold. And I'm like, whoa, you know, like here I am up against the world number one and I'm nailing the gold. Uh, ring which is the middle of, of the target and anyway I got up to shoot against her and just got so nervous first arrow went straight into the ground second arrow went off to the side and it was just like it was literally like my body had equated shooting against her to death and and it, with all the sports psychology I had and everything else you know at the time they were teaching you to do affirmations so you know they were teaching you to do these things where you'd put up a poster in your bathroom and you'd say like I am an Olympic gold medalist when you had never even made an Olympic team or you know you'd never so the problem is all the focus was like on affirmations of things that you'd never done before and also um, there was there were no coping mechanisms for this you know kind of the small wins if you will yeah so was it all about the actual ultimate end the goal of getting the gold medal and not the little steps in between that would have you know if you had noticed all the little good things and the things oh. that were doing well you that would have built your confidence you yeah know, I that's mean what confidence is isn't it it's, yeah. yeah, it's 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 taking small, courageous, brave steps and then yeah. you know, getting the results. You know, the thing is, is I just really went from zero to a thousand really quickly. And it was it was a you know, I went from being kind of 44th in the country to being sixth in the country almost overnight. And then it was going from sixth, you know, into those up that became really challenging. I, I went for I went from eighth to seventh to sixth to fifth. And then I stopped at fifth because I couldn't break through into the top. I couldn't break through into the top two or three. And that's what you needed to do to be on the Olympic team. 
And I do think a lot of these small wins are, are really, really important, acknowledging what you're accomplishing and not waiting until you accomplish the big thing, because that you will accomplish the big thing by doing the little things. And we've talked about this before, but it's like... Yes. Being, eating the elephant one bite at a time. My kids hate that saying. So we started saying, you know, how do you eat the big chocolate um, Santa Claus or the big chocolate Easter bunny, you know, one bite at a time. But I do think, I do think that it's very, very, very important to celebrate the small wins, to see the accomplishments as they're happening and not always be focused. The irony is I think a lot of the really good archers, you know, there's Zen in the art of archery, the book Zen in the art. A lot of archers tend to think, well, if I just let go of expectation, you know, and just feel it, that it'll come. I tried to do that. That didn't work for me either. So I think there, you know, the thing I love about neurocoaching is you can actually tackle the limiting belief, create the new belief. So when you get into those situations, you've got a new subconscious mindset, a new subconscious neural pathway. That's what you, that's what you can't do with the letting go of expectations and the let's do affirmations all the way fully, right? There's an in-between there. And because if you just let go and you have no expectations, but really you're trying to make the Olympic team, it it was so difficult to find that, um, find that balance, if that makes sense. We say in some circles, uh, in some coaching circles, I mean, that expectations are planned disappointments. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Expectations are, I, I think, I think they can become, I think expectations can override everything else. And, you know, and if you think about every time in your life, when you've been disappointed, it's likely because you had an expectation of someone else uh, or of yourself and you didn't meet that, or they didn't meet it. Like, I think specifically about the times that I've I've, you know, I don't know, for Valentine's Day, you might expect flowers, right? And then the flowers don't come and then you're disappointed. Well, they're, you're only disappointed because you had this expectation that you were going to get flowers, right? And actually, if I were to not get flowers, but then reflect on all the other wonderful things that had been done for the last year, <laughs> every single day, you know, the tea yes. by the bed, then it makes that that expectation irrelevant. And so I think it depends on the expectations. And I, and I think there's a difference between an expectation and a hope and a desire and I think what what I think it's also to be really clear about what's an expectation what's a hope and a desire and then also I think one of the things I've learned and you've got an Olympic gold medal brother and I've got an Olympic gold medal husband you know one of the things that I've learned from from my husband and you can tell me whether or not Martin has taught this to you but it it's like it's it's one thing to say you're going to do something or you're going to accomplish something, but then are you going to actually do the work? You know, are you going to actually apply what you've learned? Like you said, are you going to take the book that you've read and are you going to apply what you've learned or not? And uh, and I know that that one of you know my husband's staples is that he actually applies what he learns. You know, and and I think Martin was the same way. But you've got to put in the hard work. It. And again, this goes back to goal setting. It goes back to setting a goal. I like the idea of the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal, but then breaking it down and accomplishing things along the way and then using the power of, of you know, brain priming and neurocoaching to, to really build a very, very solid uh, mental framework under which that goal is built. And I think that's what I didn't have when I was an archer. I did not have yeah. the 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 building blocks for foundation yeah Yeah. i didn't have the mental foundation for it all yeah 
Yeah, exactly. Because those small, tiny steps are once you uh, and you record them and you notice them, and that's the important thing. I think we all take steps forward, but women particularly are not very good at noticing and recording them and speaking about them and saying, "I just did that. I got that." We just don't do that. Especially, uh, I don't know what you think, Joy, but in the UK, we're kind of like we tend to be quite humble. And um, it doesn't actually do us any favours because women need to be talking about what they're doing well in order to sort of be noticed and get the promotions and stuff like that. But it also builds our confidence. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because I was just listening to a podcast and I'm hoping to get the podcast host on our podcast. And she interviewed this woman who is incredibly talented, like written 20 books. Um, mm. And she's like a leader in the U U.S., on child psychology, all this stuff. And I was, she was so confident in her skills. She literally almost said like, I am the best in the world. And I was like, oh my gosh, like who says that? Who says but, at the, that? but at the same time, you know, she knew her stuff and that's why she, you know, that's why she was good at what she did. But it, it, it the British um, mentality is definitely different. It's definitely much more humble, much more low key. You're not out there shouting about yourself. So we have, especially in the UK where we teach social media, we have this added layer of, uh, you know, the shyness yeah. around putting yourself out there. Of being and, visible, yeah. And, yeah, and being braggadocious. Absolutely, yeah, I know. And um, I did some work with Google. They've got a program called I Am Remarkable, and it's sort of mostly aimed at women or underrepresented groups. And there's a sort of double-edged sword that women aren't very good at uh, speaking about their accomplishments, which means they don't get promoted, they don't get noticed, men get promoted above them because men find it easier to talk about their accomplishments. But the research shows that when women do talk about their accomplishments, people feel like they're bragging. So it, and so that's that's another reason for them not to to brag, you know. So you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. But having said that, the only way around that is we've just got to get over it. We've just got to speak about our accomplishments, full stop. You know, we can't do this for much longer. Just hiding our lights under bushels. Come on, you know. It it breaks my heart when I see it, when you see it on mass say in you know in the coaching groups and tech pixies and those early stages. There might be seventy women. And, and you, you know, you can feel the weight of, um, of you know, people's, um, not negativity, but, you know, they're uh, playing small, I guess. Okay. And, and that's, and what I love, though, and this is the really special thing that happens. So if women stick it out, if they come every week, week in and week out, yeah. it just starts to shift massively. Yeah. And the letters that we get from women who whose lives have changed, I mean, almost every day in my inbox, there's someone sending a, a thank you note or a message or a gift, you know, just there's always something coming through saying, you know, I can't believe I'm a different person. I think differently. I've got a different foundation. That goes back to those foundations that we're talking about. Yeah. When we when we when we when we actually confront these things you know, we confront perfectionism, we confront overwhelm, we confront imposter syndrome, because the thing is, is everyone's living with it, they're just not confronting it. Yeah. And then we confront focus and intention and values and goal setting, compare and despair, we confront time management, and the way we feel about it, and those boundaries that we put in or don't put in, you know, we confront fear of judgment, cognitive bias, we confront resilience, that's one of your strongholds, you know, we confront dealing with negative feedback, and also confront taking action and reflecting, when we actually say, I'm gonna look into these things that I am 
living with, but I am no longer willing to live with them. But and I think that's because we, well, Joy, you know, I have to, you know, really give a big shout out to you here because you've put coaching and always have. So it's not an afterthought. This is, this runs through your DNA. This runs through your blood and you've made it as in, as important kind of as as the tech stuff and it's talked about by you in your monday mindset you know we do the coaching uh you know michelle and she has the same approach i'm sure in her orientation calls it's it's reinforced all of the time which kind of goes back to your brain priming the re rep repetition which is why i think you know they're you know the least people are with us for 90 days and you know if they decide to stay longer they can so they get this constantly and i think the fact that so many people have such great breakthroughs and success stories and renewed confidence and amazing businesses following you know coming into tech pixies is because it's it's the culture of tech pixies and it's around them all the time and you can see how everyone is in the facebook groups I, you know it's it's you know it's like amazing to watch and i like you i'm like I, I just can't believe what i can see in front of me but i think that's why it is it's because the culture's there uh, we talk about it all the time and it does it does change their mind about themselves and and their successes and their outcomes I mean, yeah, like you say, there's just so many. <laughs> well, and if we circle this back to that good to great book, which of course focuses all on males who run big Fortune 500 companies, but the, the story in there about the Stockdale paradox, which brings it full circle to what we started this conversation with, you know, what he says is having this unwavering belief that at the end of the day, you're going to accomplish what you wanted to accomplish and that you are willing to face the brutal facts of reality, right? And I think that's the thing. The people who come through our transformational coaching program, they are learning new skills. And at the same time, they're tackling all these fears that are holding them back from accomplishing the things that they want. And as soon as they face the brutal facts about those things that are holding them back, yeah. uh, they're able to break through and then they're able to leverage their new skills to get out there in whatever way that yeah. they want to do that, whether it's returning to work, change careers or start a business. And you've firsthand watched that happen. I firsthand watched that happen with hundreds of women. And it is absolutely a magical thing to watch, which is why we call it social media magic. And some of these things, it sounds like it's no biggie, you know, like putting a post on Instagram or creating a brand or just doing, putting your profile or bio on LinkedIn. Sounds nothing, but it, for some, a majority, that is the most scariest thing in the world. Like, like I've just told you to go and jump off, you know, the highest mountain, you know, with no parachute. It feels like that. It feels exactly the same. So, I think the hurdles and the barriers people are breaking through are enormous, really, um, because the fear for them is really affronting. Yeah. Well, that just goes back to that example I was giving you when I was in Korea and I went to South Korea and I was shooting that arrow and I literally walked down the field and I'm, I realized my brain had equated shooting an arrow you know, to death. I mean, that's how serious it was. Your yeah. brain doesn't know the difference. And I yeah. think that's the part that's really important to understand. Whatever yeah. fears you have, whatever limiting beliefs you have, your brain does not know that those aren't real threats. Like it is trained 
to recognize a threat and then keep you as far away from a threat as possible. Exactly. And it does not know the difference between a real threat and a fake threat. Yeah. And that's why all this work with life coaching helps to recognize what those threats are and then helps you to come up with tools uh, to leverage tools in order to overcome them. Um, well, I, I think this is a great conversation about awareness. And, uh, and of course, if, uh, if you're interest, interested in, you know, overcoming your fear of social media, TechPixies is a great place to hang out and you can find out more at techpixies.com. Uh, but Teresa, I want to thank you for your time. And also where can people find you if they want to start following you? Cause you've got quite a reputation at the moment for being the resilience queen. So, uh, give us information about where people can find you. Well, mostly I'm, I live on Instagram. Um, I'm at at you coming alive don't ask me why I've got that handle it ju I just kind of fell upon it but anyway that's that's where I am at you coming alive so you know dm me on instagram I you know that's the best place to get me really okay well and of course you're in the tech fixie community every single week uh rain or shine 36 weeks out of the year you are coaching our lovely amazing ladies um through all of their limiting beliefs uh, to help them accomplish their best selves and uh, I'm so thankful to you for that what a gift you've given our community so much so that you won the coach of the year award from all of our students Gosh. in 2020 are so. there any other coaches <laughs> <laughs> so we're so delighted that you're in our community and so thankful oh no joy really so I mean thank you and you know I just reiterate that it's your you know this is your business you've set the culture of this business and you know the fact that you've put such a a weight and importance to the coaching is is absolutely wonderful so i have to thank you too because you put you know hundreds of women in front of me every week which is you know a coach's dream to be fair so thank you for that well you, you do help change women's lives so that's the most important aspect of this whole thing and like you said you know for me the coaching is as important if not more important than the skill set because i believe that if you've actually got the confidence to use the skills it doesn't matter what skills you learn yeah uh, it's just getting that confidence so um yeah we are on the same page with that well thank you thank you thank you thanks joy lovely we'll speak soon thank you soon